everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church or, in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God, and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. In uh, 1978, there was these two American psychologists, and they coined this phrase, imposter syndrome. Have you heard of this before? Yeah. They describe it as a feeling of phoniness in people who believe that they are not intelligent, capable, or creative. They live in fear of being found out or exposed as frauds. You know, it's amazing the kind of of revered and accomplished people who have suffered through some sort of version of this. The beloved author and poet Maya Angelou, she shared this. She said, I've written 11 books. But each time I think, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. A Pulitzer Prize, three Grammys, a Tony Award, this, this immense talent still wrestles with those thoughts. And so I thought I would just Google famous people who have imposter syndrome. Tom Hanks, Lady Gaga, as I call her. Howard Schultz, CEO of of Starbucks. Marketing guru Seth Godin, who people come from far and wide for his advice. Serena freaking Williams, undisputed greatest female tennis player of all times. All of these people struggle with feelings of being found out as a fraud. I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me just how how quickly... um, I can feel inadequate. Uh, And maybe it happens the more I get older and I start comparing myself to other people in the same life stage and I'm like, how did they get there financially? What's wrong with with me? How how don't they have any debt? How did they pay off their house? Uh, How do they seem to afford all-inclusive vacations every year? Or, Or maybe you go to a friend's house and her house seems perfect. How is it so uncluttered? It smells like lavender in here. My house smells like unwashed laundry and missing the garbage day again. And her, her house smells perfect. And her food is totally Instagrammable. And she's Instagrammable. Nails done, hair done, everything did. Oh, you fancy, huh? And, and you love her. You love her because she's your friend, but you hate her because she's so perfect. Why can't I live up to that? Or maybe you're a student and your best friend is smart and popular, and you study your buns off to get, you know, B minuses. And she doesn't seem to study, but makes A's all the time. And you go to the dance alone, and your friend has seven invitations to the stupid dance. And you're like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I measure up? To this. 
Or sometimes, I don't know if you ever feel like this, I don't know if you want your pastor admitting this either, but I sure have felt spiritually inadequate at times. Pastor imposter. Uh, if you're around like super Christian, you know, and you just bring up something and they're like, oh yeah, that reminds me of 2 Corinthians 12, 10, and then they quote it perfectly and you're like, oh yeah, totally, totally. You didn't know there was a Second Chronicles. And, and when they pray, it's like the, the clouds part, and you can just tell God is like, whoa, that is, that's a very good prayer, actually. And they ask you to pray, and you're like, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. I, you know, you're like, man, I suck as a Christian. I'm an imposter. I'm totally inadequate. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. If you have, I totally and completely relate. And I bet you may be encouraged to know that most of the people in this room can relate on some level. I, I felt inadequate in a traveling band, knowing that my guitar chops were not really up to par, so I better compensate with lots of charm and rock and roll energy, novelty, I remember holding, you know, twin baby girls and thinking, every houseplant I've ever had has died. Um, and then add to that what I do for a living. You wouldn't believe how inadequate I feel to be your pastor sometimes. Steve, you'll remember this, you know, this is my candidating weekend four and a half years ago. And we had a little lunch after the service and uh, people are asking, you know, like essentially why, why should we hire you to be our pastor. And I'm like saying, you probably shouldn't. Uh, here's all the reasons why you shouldn't. Steve was eventually like, you know we want you here, right? Maybe start talking about why we should hire you. And I, I don't feel holy enough most of the time. I don't feel like I know enough. I, I'm not sure I can offer the support and wisdom that people really need. And like everything we've talked about in this series, you know, even just bringing that to light, just speaking it out loud is kind of powerful in its own right, partly because I know there are others in this room who feel the same way at times. You may, you may feel very competent in one area of your life. You're, you're, you, you may be an expert, actually, in your vocation or your hobby, uh, certain knowledge, uh, uh, you, uh, being handy around the home, but you feel like an imposter as maybe a parent or someone in social situations or as a Christian. And you may even be overwhelmed with these feelings of inadequacy at times. Why do we battle with these, these beliefs, these lies of inadequacy? Let me just flick out three theories on you, and uh, books I'm sure have been written on the subject, but, but see if these three resonate you. Number one um, is we've received unfair criticism. You know, somewhere along the way in our life, someone has told you, you don't measure up. Uh, you don't have what it takes. I don't like you. I wish you had never been born. You're never going to amount to anything. You're pathetic. I, 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 so and so, like just all kinds of curses. And internally, those messages have been like burned into the psyche 
the hard drive of your, of your psyche. And anytime you want to do something significant, you just you hear that old tape playing in your brain. It's, it's playing, I'm not adequate or capable of doing this. So, so number one, we receive unfair criticism. Number two, and you may not have thought of this, sometimes we actually have received unrealistic praise, right? You're the best. You're amazing. No one's as good as you. And inside we're like, yeah, slow your roll there. You don't really know me the way I know me, and I'm actually not that good. You know, at the risk of sounding like old man Grandpa Simpson, you know, shaking his fist at clouds, um, I, I wonder if we have done a bit of a disservice to the emerging generation, who I love so much, but who we've told, you're good at everything, right? Do you remember, like, back in the day, you actually had to be good at something to win an award? You know, you, do you remember that? You had to win to get a trophy, not just, like, show up. And, and so we, we, we tell them, you're amazing, you're the best. And I wonder if internally they're going, I actually don't feel that way. And now we have a whole generation and, I, and I've read the statistics on this that are, are paralyzed with fear of failure. Um, I don't even want to try because if I try, I may not be good enough because you think I'm up here, but I know the real me and I'm actually down here. I feel inadequate. Um, in studying for this talk, I actually came across a study that said millennials, by a wide margin, suffer with this imposter syndrome the most. And, you know, there's a difference between the generations. Uh, in fact, let me just try this and help me out, millennials. Uh, just respond. My money don't jiggle jiggle. Oh, just one person? Really? Okay, forget that illustration. <laughs> so unfair criticism, unrealistic praise, a third uh, reason, I think, that is becoming even more common is unwise comparisons. Uh, we, we just look around at the other people and we're like, oof, I'm not like them, I'm not as attractive, I'm not as bright, uh, I don't have the faith that this other Christian seems to have. In fact, you know, and I don't need to tell you this, you've seen the reports, you've seen the documentaries, um, it's pretty much a given now that social media is, is one of the greatest causes of this feeling of inadequacy. When you see your friend's wedding picture on the beach of Honolulu with their lobster entrees, it kind of makes you want to burn your pictures of eloping to Bracebridge with you know, your packed peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner. You know, I've only got 172 followers on the gram, and she's got 974. And, um, you know, you may have heard this thought before. It's, it's certainly not original. But what we tend to do is we compare our highlight reels with, uh, with sorry, we compare our friends' highlight reels with our behind the scenes, Right? We, we see them with their kids, and their kids look perfect, and we know we just yelled at our kids, and their socks don't even match. Um, not by choice, Toby. Uh, it, we, we see them worshiping in church, 
and we know our kind of internal doubts and wrestles, we feel inadequate. We're, we're comparing our behind the scenes with their highlight reels. And suddenly our imposter syndrome starts to tell us what we're not. And I want to look at the story of a man called Gideon. Gideon, the same guy who wrote the Bible? No, just the hotel Bibles. And uh, it's found in the Old Testament, even if you have your Bible, it's in the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 11 through 16. And we'll read it, and I'll add some Jonathan thoughts, and hopefully we'll begin to lay down our imposter syndrome, who tells us who we're not, so that we can become who God says that we are. Okay, so verse 11 in Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord came. So right away, there is a, a supernatural appearance. We know an angel is a, a representative of God, speaks on God's behalf, and sat down under the oak in Oprah. She's been around for a really, really long time. Uh, you get an oak tree, and you get an oak tree. Okay. Focus, Jonathan. Sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash, the, uh, Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Okay, so time out. Um, a little context here. What is Gideon doing? This is not going to be immediately evident to us Canadians in 2022, but um, an ancient olive press or wine press uh, looked something like this. In fact, that's one I was at uh, in my tour of, of Israel. And as you can see, uh, it's sort of underground. And uh, I'm not totally remembering all the reasons for that. I'm sure it has something to do with keeping things cool. But here's what's interesting. Everyone back then would know that when you thresh wheat, you actually go up somewhere high so that when you throw it up in the air and the, the wind would blow and the, and the, and the chaff would blow away and the purest wheat would be left. It looked more something like this. And yet Gideon, where is he? He's in a wine press, probably underground. Why? He's hiding. He's hiding because he's afraid of his enemy, the, the Midianites. So that's the context. And this is what the angel says to him, verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is what? Say this aloud with me. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Wait, what? He called him a what? A mighty warrior? If I had been the messenger, I'd say, the Lord is with you, you mighty wuss, you lily-livered punk, you scaredy cat. Oh, what's that behind you, Gideon? You're, oh, it's your shadow. Sorry to scare you there, little buddy, you coward. But the Lord saw something in him that Gideon didn't even see in himself. So verse 13, Gideon responds, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian? Sounds a little cynical. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now, check this out. In verse 15, we're going to see that whenever God calls you, empowers you, 
leads you to do something, your enemy is going to try and tell you what you're not, okay? And your internal me, your inner me, isn't that interesting? Inner me sounds like your enemy. Your inner me will often play the negative messages that your imposter syndrome has been conditioned to believe. And so Gideon says this, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my family. You might say it this way in 2022. Well, I'm not talented enough. Uh, I'm not good on stage. I'm, I'm awkward in front of people. Um, I'm not as godly. Uh, if, if you only had known what I have done in my past, uh, I don't look like her. I'm not as young as him. And all of the inner me messages try to tell you why you can't do what God has already told you what you can do. Verse 16, the Lord answered with the key to this whole message. You ready? He said, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. You and me, Gideon. Three things you need to know about this, this passage and how it applies to you in 2022. First thing, when your inner me voices those, those messages of, of insecurity and inadequacy and imposter syndrome, number one, you need to remember that God sees more in you than you see in you. Uh, verse 12, the, the, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon who's hiding. Everything about his physical posture says, I'm afraid. But the Lord says, I am with you. And what does he call him? A mighty warrior. God sees more in you than you see in you. Do you know why I'm, I'm standing here right now? Because there were significant people in my life, friends, mentors, wise people, who saw things in me I literally didn't see in myself. And I have to believe that God used those people to, to change the trajectory of my life. It has been also my greatest ministry joy to see the potential in others, sometimes even throw them under the bus or, or throw them in the deep end when they think they're not ready and only to realize that they are, to, to give leadership opportunities um, that set them on a, on a course of fulfilling greater capacity than they even knew themselves. Nothing charges me up as much as that. So some of you know what I'm talking about, the privilege of being a, a messenger of God. Oh, you're no angel, and I'm no angel, but you're acting as a messenger of God to communicate the worth and the calling and the potential of others. Oh, it's a rush, man. Uh, Pastor Chris has made a career out of calling out the potential of, of young people, others um, who, who we see their fruitfulness now in 2022. Her, her influence has extended beyond Newmarket. And as easy and joyful as that can be to identify in someone else, sometimes it's really hard to believe it about yourself, isn't it? And yet God's view of you is very different than your view of you. 
someone told you that you can't or you won't or the inner me has said, here's all the reasons why I can't do what I believe God is calling me to do, but God's view of you is so different. Do you want to know what God thinks of you? It's all throughout Scripture, actually, and I love particularly the way it's worded in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is what the Bible says about you. For we are God's, what? Everybody help me out. What are we? We are God's masterpiece. Wow. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he prepared and planned for us long ago. Do you realize that long before you were born, God had a heavenly to-do list for you? And God created you with everything in you that you need to do what he's called you to do. Isn't it amazing, Christine, that like before Jacob was even born, God was preparing him for great works. Uh, Michelle, before um, Joshua was even born, he was wiring him to fulfill works and ministry that only he could do. Amazing. God sees more in you than you see in yourself. And I love the stories in Scripture when Everybody looked at a woman named Rahab in the Old Testament. What did they see? They saw a prostitute and a harlot. What did God see? God saw someone whose heart would be turned toward him, who would one day marry a godly man named Solomon, who then would give birth to generations, that through her genealogy, one day the Savior of the world would come. Others saw a prostitute. God saw divine potential. When others saw David, this little scrawny shepherd boy, um, the runt of the litter, really, God saw something in him that others didn't see. God saw a warrior able to stand up to a giant. When, when Peter messed up again and again, kept saying stupid things, ignorant things, got angry, cowardly, betrayed Jesus three times, just couldn't seem to get it right. What did Jesus see in Peter? Jesus saw a rock. Jesus saw someone who would one day be the guest speaker at Pentecost. When others see you or when you see yourself as a failure or a loser or an imposter, I came here to tell you this morning, God sees more in you than you can see. Number one, God's view of you is different than you think. But number two, God has given you more than you think. Verse 14, I love what, what God says to Gideon. He says, Gideon, go take a master class and get ready for this calling. Is that what he says? No. He says, go and read these seven leadership books. No. He says, go and get your theology degree and get accredited with your local denomination. No. And don't get me wrong, those are, all, those are all good things. Those are great things. I've done them. I've encouraged others to do them. But what does God say? God says, go in the what? Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength I've already given you. Am I not sending you? Am I not with you? You go and use what I've already given you. Go in the strength that you have. There are some of you today, all you hear is the negative message from your 
imposter syndrome. I don't have what it takes. I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. I want you to know God has given you more than you think. There is more inside of you. You have everything you need to do what God wants you to do. I am, I'm living proof that God put more in me than I even imagined. This is so powerful. Second Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 3. Could we all just say this aloud? By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Is God holding anything back from you? No. He gives you everything you need for what? For life and godliness. Through what? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and goodness. Don't you dare believe the curse that someone else spoke over you. Don't you dare believe those negative messages that your inner me continues to lie to you. God's view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think. But I'm not a stage person. I'm more behind the scenes. And Jesus says, yeah, and the behind the scenes folks, those who serve, I call them the greatest. You may be the greatest in the kingdom and you don't even know it. Well, I'm not a six-figure earner and I can't really make an impact of generosity. Listen, instead of six figures, you may be at home with six kids and that by far will make a greater difference. And what you earn as you invest your life in those kids, God sees that. He's called you to it. Well, I'm just, I'm not, you know, I don't know to say the right thing and some people are so articulate on the open mic and I, I, I'm not, I'm good at listening but I'm not good at saying things. Listen, more lives have been changed by a good listener than by people who love a microphone. Listening is a gift from God and your presence can tangibly represent the very presence of God. So don't insult God by talking about what you don't have. God has given you more than you think. Number one, God sees more in you than you see yourself. Number two, God has given you infinitely more than you think. And number three, are you ready for this? Don't be offended. It's less about you than you think, actually. This is what the Lord said to Gideon in verse 16. I will be, what? With you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. God says, I will be with you. I will be what? I'm sorry. I will be what? With you. It's what the angel of the Lord leads with when he comes to Gideon. Remember the angel of the Lord said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. It, it was less about Gideon, more about the power of God. Listen, when, when God calls you to do something, it's more about the presence of God than it is about your own power. It's more about his strength than it is about your strength. It's less about you than you think. And that's why as a believer, we take our imposter syndrome and we lay it down before God so we'll, we'll not be at the mercy of who others say we are. We will not be at the mercy of what we wrongly think we are, but we become 
who God says we are. And I told you earlier that there are, are many times that I feel inadequate to be your pastor. I feel that way, frankly, um, because I am inadequate in many ways. I know my behind the scenes. So that's the bad news. The good news is that it's way less about me than I think. And on those days before a sermon or a counseling meeting or a big decision, times when I'm expected to lead people or meet with people who have been traumatized or their world has been turned upside down, and I think, I have nothing to offer this person. There is no wisdom, no words, nothing practical in me that is helpful. I remember the greatest thing that I can do is point people to Jesus. And he is with me. Yeah, I'm inadequate. But in me and near me, above me and below me, all around me is the spirit of Jesus who is unlimited supply of wisdom and grace and comfort, who has answers to our questions, who has the provision and supply beyond our wildest dreams, the one who is able to do abundantly more than we can even hope or imagine. You know, I'm like, I'm like Eminem sometimes at his first rap battle. You know, my palms are sweaty, my knees are weak, arms are heavy, I'm nervous, but on the surface I look calm and ready. I open my mouth, but the words won't come out. I'm choking, everybody's joking. No, 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 please hold your applause. <laughs> but when I step out of the strength of Jonathan K. Ganyu and into the calling of God, because it's not really about me, it's about him. And when I step into his calling, his strength, his power, his goodness, his grace, that's how I can do what he calls me to do. That's how you can do what God calls you to do. But I'm not good enough. No, you're right. Step into his grace. I'm not smart enough. Okay, step into his power. His power is made perfect in your weakness. I'm never going to be an adequate parent. No, if he calls you, he will equip you. You have everything you need to do everything he wants you to do. And the accuser of the brethren, Satan, has been lying to you, and it's time to say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not who you say I am. I am who my Abba Father, Daddy God, says I am. Jonathan it kind of feels like you've been preaching the same message for the last month over and over again. Maybe I am. I guess I'm preaching it until you believe it or until I believe it, okay? That we are his masterpieces created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that we are his, his works of art. We are created and destined for good things before even time began. We, we are not imposters, you are his treasure. You are his showpiece. You are his, his magnum opus, his tour de force. Somebody say amen. amen. Father, we pray today that your spirit would, would just minister hope and healing in the hearts of, of all of us who have just battled with this deep feeling of inadequacy. And those who are performance-driven, worried if they'll live up to others' expectations, others who don't 
like the way they look or they feel they're not spiritual enough. Those of you today who say, I I feel like an imposter sometimes, but I want to believe and become who, who you, oh God, say that I am. Folks, just as an act of faith today, would you just stand with me? And, and, and even as an act of symbolism, um, it, you know, even if you, just, if you keep your eyes closed even, but instead of bowing our heads, I wonder if we could just raise our, our, our heads up and not symbolically looking down in shame, but actually looking up, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Bowing our heads is is an appropriate response sometimes for showing humility and remorse and confession. But today, I want us to just symbolically lift our chin high, recognizing that we are part of a royal family, a priesthood, that we are heirs of the Heavenly Father, joint heirs with Jesus, that he calls us saint. He calls us child of the King. says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So God, thank you today for those who are having a change in their hearts even now. God, I thank you today for those who are going to step into the grace that you've called them to. Step into how you see them today. They would be filled with truth. That you see more in them than they see in themselves. That you've given them more than they realize. And that it's really all about you, Jesus. Thank you. I want to thank you, God, in advance for the different things that your people are going to discover about themselves, the things that you have called them to do. Thank you, Jesus. You are chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am, Lord. Ah, let's celebrate that today.